Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Appreciate uh, Ted's introduction to that song because we don't want a Sunday to ever go by that anybody leaves this building without having heard that God loves you. God loves you so much that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for your sins, offers you eternal life and forgiveness for sins. And he is a good God. Uh, this last week, as we've shared in our prayer request this morning, uh, it's been, there's been some hard times for people. But even in those times, as hard as it is, we still affirm God is good. And even when we don't understand, everything that God does is good. It's good for Him. It's good for His will. And, you know, if I could, if I were to quote a verse, I bet you could finish. Let me fill in the blank. All things work together for good to those who love Him. Now, if I quoted another uh, well-known passage from Scripture, Jesus Christ, the same, Yesterday, today, and forever. Turn in Hebrews 13 in your Bibles, please. And I want us to look at this because there are so many well-known passages from Scripture that they have a context. And sometimes we know them so well. You know, this is, this is the same Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Uh, that you'll see on uh, pictures, coffee mugs. Um, you know, T-shirts, it's in our hearts, it's in our minds, it's something that we know well. And I want us to consider this morning the context and how it connects with the things that we have been learning together from the epistle to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, let's pray. Father, as we open your word for these next few moments, may our hearts be open to your word this day. Bless your word to our hearts. May we consider it, think about it, and may we live by it as you lead us this week. In Christ's name, amen. Hebrews chapter 13, and in verse 7, the apostle says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider your leaders. Remember your leaders. The idea here is give, give careful thought to them. And in this particular context, I want to suggest to you that the apostle is referencing this generation of believers. This is the epistle to the Hebrew Christians. This is a Jewish context. They are Christians, these believers in Jesus Christ. And he is referencing their context and asking them to remember their leaders. It must have been that first generation of apostles and teachers. The pastors who led these churches, who taught these people, who were part of their lives. He's referencing their context. We always say, we, we say that, you know, the immediate, the immediate past, which is sort of a contradiction in terms, right? But that's what it is. It's the past that is immediate to them and still impacting their lives. And I think we see this in con- not in contrast, but in continuation 
of chapter 11. We began chapter 11 some weeks ago when we decided we'd sort of slow down in Hebrews and uh, we'd take a little more time these last... But faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Then we begin, verse 4, by faith able. And we go through this history of God's people in the Old Testament leading up to the possible intertestamental times even as we go through these names of Joseph and Moses and Abraham and Abel and Deborah and all the, and the judges and the prophets. And we, these people that were part of their story, these Jewish Christians, these are people that were part of their history, part of their story. We've covered that. And now the apostle brings them to the immediate past. He says, your leaders, the people that impacted you. He says, listen, as he comes to the conclusion of this epistle, He says to them, remember, give careful thought to them. They spoke the word of God to you. He doesn't say just just remember them and who they were and so on, but remember what they taught you. They spoke, they taught God's word to you, and they taught it carefully. This, this, This first generation, and in this context, it's so hard for us to jump and enter this context. I think of all the resources we have today. I go into my office and I see the books and the commentaries I have multiple translations of Bibles. I have original language texts and tools. To, you have things in your phones and tablets that, that, that are, you know, we have so much to help us as we read the Bible and study the Bible. These people didn't even have the Bible yet. The Bible, the books have not been collected and circulated yet. We, 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 just, we know that's true. They had the Old Testament. They had the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had the teachings of the apostles. And in this struggling generation, churches were being planted, strengthened. Believers were coming by the thousands to Christ. They're also being persecuted. Times are getting hard. They have, you have not yet shed blood, the author says. But it's, but it's coming. And it's in this context, he says, remember your leaders and remember what they taught you. You know, actually, in the, in the original language, it's a very interesting statement. And your translations, if you look at different translations, you, you might see this. But it, when it says, that, I'm reading from the NIV here, who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. And the uh, United Bible Society um, commentary on the, on the Greek translation, the Greek, early Greek text of the Bible, they make the point that literally... This phrase is looking back on the going out of their way of life. And it suggests that what the author is saying here, remember both their life, what they taught you, and how they died. And, and this, whole, this whole thing comes together, their manner of life and their death. The fact that they were faithful to the end. Some of them maybe gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. Remember this. Don't forget this. This generation on the verge of some drastic change ahead. Some, some, some earth-shattering events that are about to take place in Palestine as the Romans are about to smash everything they know about Judaism in Palestine. These are Christian Jews. Their life, their death, their total walk. Give careful thought to it. And remember this. Friends, I want to just stop for a moment and just suggest to you 
I'm, anything I suggest to you, I always suggest to myself first, okay? That, and I figure if I need it, maybe you do too, you know? Um, we are people sometimes that are a little disconnected from history, you know? Um, fr- frankly, early church history is kind of a black hole for a lot of us. One of my, I think when I took work at Fuller Seminary here in Seattle, the classes that I really enjoyed and meant so much to me were the classes on early church history because this was a black hole for me. And to realize the history we have as a, as a people, as Christians, we have a story. We have a history. The Christian church has an amazing history. And there are amazing people that God has used throughout history to shape what we are today. We, are, we have an amazing story. And we should know some of that story. You know, we've been, I've been encouraging you to read books from our church library. I saw somebody walking out, Sharon Goodwin, walking out with about eight books in her arms today. And uh, she's going to read them all, too. She's going for the championship. She's going to, and Teresa reminded me, we got to start thinking about the prizes, you know. So I got to think about what's Sharon going to like. You know, she's going to, yeah. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, in our church library, I just, you know, William Tyndale, God's bestseller, the Bible. You know, the Bible's the best-selling book in the history of the world, still is. Still is. William Tyndale, Thomas More, Thomas More, and the writing of the English Bible, a story of martyrdom and betrayal. These people literally, literally gave their lives to put the Bible in English. I mean, is that a crime? Can you, can you imagine that? They literally gave this, this is a story. It's an amazing story. Hannah with Whitehall, Whitehall Smith. A Spiritual Autobiography, The Unselfishness of God, a Quaker woman whose, whose books are still read up in the 1800s, still being read, still affecting people, the secret of the happy Christian life. There are so many, friends. There are so many. You know, Pastor Frosty, I call him Pastor Frosty because he is pastored and he is a pastor to pastors. And um, I brought back from the Grace Gospel Fellowship Convention the, the Truth Magazines, and uh, they're free. They're back there on the table back there. But over the past several years, uh, Dr. Dale DeWitt had took, took on a personal interest in the history of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. And, 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 and in doing so, he, he really focused in on a man named J.C. O'Hare. And there's been a fascinating series of articles over the past several years on, on this story. It started in Chicago, Illinois. Right? Well, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, hey, uh, somebody... Who's Mr. Deshaun here today? Somebody told me, was it you? This profound statement. Some people hate Trump. Some people hate Clinton. But everybody hates the 49ers. Was that you or your brother? (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't you. All right. Okay. Well, that's San Francisco. This is Chicago. (laughs) This is Chicago. North side of Chicago. Different story. And... um, it's fascinating history of, of how, how God used this man. It's, it's part of my story. It's part of our story because he influenced our pastors, our original founders in our, in our fellowship. We should know these stories. You can get these online, actually, and you can go back and research. I can give you the numbers to, to start with. There are, there, we have such a history, friends, that we should remember. When we sing these songs, they are written by people who, who God has used. Our church has a history. Our church has a history. And I, you know, like Frosty, I grew up in this church. I, too, helped build this church. Um, well, 
I, I helped. I didn't really do much of building, but we helped. We all got together and did stuff. Um, and so I'm a, little ca- I'm a little careful because, you know, probably most of you here today weren't part of that original group. A lot of you still are here. And I want to be a little careful about not feeling like this is a family story and you're kind of like, you know, what are they talking about? I have no relationship to me. So I want to be careful about that and not, you know, just talking about the history all the time. But on the other hand, you are part of this story. If this is your church, um, if you're involved here, if your kids are here, your kids went out this morning, this is part of your story. We have a story. We have a story. It's an important story of how God led a group of people. Our our founding pastor, Lloyd Peterson, used to say, and we didn't even start with a paperclip. because they started with nothing. And, and people sacrificed. Many of you here sacrificed and, and, and gave so we could have a place. We, we have a book in our library that a brother and sister, the Gab Boys, put together. History of the Brian Bible Church and the ministry of the Brian Bible Church. Fascinating history that you, you might be interested in. We have a story. It's your story today, friends. When these children, this week when we gather for Vacation Bible Adventure... And we go around this building, the fact that we have much more floor space given to our Christian ed ministry than anything says something about our founders and what they wanted to invest in. It was children and youth. That building over there, the youth center, that was dedicated the year our senior pastor died, 1973. This is your story as well. And we have a story, friends, as families. I have a story in my family. I have, I have a story where the, the faith story in my family started with my mother. Where my wife's faith story began with grand, grandparents, grandmother. Um, when I look at my life, the people that have influenced me the most in my life are people from this story. It's my story. And when the Apostle says, remember your leaders. I I, I know I've told this before, but I appreciate uh, having someone who's not afraid to say amen in the congregation. Because after our brother Wilson Fossey died, we we haven't had that for a while. Wilson Fossey, who uh, I'll never forget, never, 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 for as long as I live, will forget that, that Good Friday. When that morning they received news that their son Roger was, had been killed instantly in a plane crash, left five children. Man who, a young man who was serving the Lord, Annapolis graduate, loved the Lord, served the Lord, just a, a wonderful young man, gone. And we came here for Good Friday service, and Wilson was scheduled to play the piano that night. And Vern Schutz and I, we talked about it and said, well, we'll just do it without the piano and just have the organ tonight. Wilson comes down here, sits down at the piano, and plays every song we sang that night. This handkerchief out of his pocket, wiping his face, weeping, crying. I said, Wilson, after service, I said, Wilson, you, you didn't have to come tonight. And you know what he said? There's no other place I'd rather be than here tonight. We have a story. The man that influenced, the man who had the greatest influence in my life, without a doubt, would be Frosty's dad, my father-in-law. Influenced grandkids. We have a story, friends. 
And the Apostle tells these people, don't forget those people. Think about them. Remember them. Because when you do so, you remember what they taught you. You remember how they lived and how they died. And don't be afraid to imitate their faith. And I want to ask you, and I'll ask myself, is it a scary thought that my children and grandchildren, these young people that I'm pastor to right now in this church, and Kevin and Gary and Susie works, we work with on a weekly basis, is it a fearful thought to think someday that we would even dare say imitate their lives? How are we spending our lives today? Do you want your children and grandchildren to imitate your lives? The apostle says, imitate their lives. Remember the going out of their life as well as how they lived. And it's that verse that leads to this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You see the context? What's he saying? This, this is not just a, a, a big, just a general thought that God never changes. We know that from the Bible. God is the nature, the divinity of God never changes. Jesus did change. I mean, at one time he wasn't incarnated in the flesh, and then he did. At one time he had never died, but he died and rose again. That's not just the focus here. The focus is on the unchangeableness of his nature and what it means that, that God is God. And that what's he saying here? He's saying, listen, I've already told you in chapter 11, or previous in the epistle, it wasn't chapters then, that these Old Testament saints, Jewish believers who we look to, look at their lives. They counted on God. They counted on God in times of great victory, in times where they, 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 they were sawn in half, he says, and brutalized. They looked to God, and God took care of them. God never once didn't take care of what belonged to him. And now he says, look at your story. Look at my story. Look at your story. Has God ever once neglected to care for what belonged to him in your story? Ever? Ever? This is why he's saying this. It fits in this story here of their history, of their story, of those pastors and leaders, men and women who these people love dearly, who are no longer with them in their immediate context. And he says, don't, don't forget, Jesus is the same as he was then, as he is for you people now, and he will be in the future. And what that says to me is, this apostle is looking ahead. They had no idea, I don't think, this story was going to continue on for 2,000 years plus. But here we are, and we are still in this story. And God is still taking care of what belongs to him. Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday and today and also will be forever. And then he says this. And so what's, what, is the, what is the outcome of this? 
We are part of this story. What's the outcome? What's the outcome for this generation of Jewish believers about to experience this tremendous change in Palestine? The story is this. So in light of that, in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is the central part of the story, the words about Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings about Christ as Savior and what God is doing today in the church, the body of Christ even, what is it? He says this, Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. By grace. There's a reason why the fellowship we belong to is called the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Because we believe that the message today is not a message of legalism. It is not a message of just traditions. Traditions are important. We have traditions in this church. There are things we do that are that are part of our story. But dare we ever impose upon someone and say, yeah, but if you want to be part of God's story, you have to do it exactly the way our story does. No, these are our traditions. But when it comes to legalism, it's the message of the grace of God. We are saved by only one thing. For by what? Grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And the Apostle reminds them, this story has not changed. Yesterday, Israel didn't deserve to be called by God. Moses tells them, it's not because you were so numerous. It was not because you were so great. It's because God, he tells them this, Deuteronomy, God chose to set his love upon you. That's why. It is by grace that you have been saved. And the Apostle Paul here says, or his friends, <laughs> whoever wrote this, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, forever, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good, it is good, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. And then he goes on and talks about not ceremonial foods, not traditions. There's nothing wrong with that. You Jewish believers, you want to eat kosher, eat kosher. Nothing wrong with that. But don't you dare impose it upon anybody else. And Gentiles, don't you oppose upon them. Don't anybody impose upon anybody anything when it comes to salvation, but the message of the grace of God and the truth of the Scriptures. This is our foundation. This is what we build on. This is everything that we are about. This is why this church is called the Berean Bible Church. This is why this week at Vacation Bible Adventure, yes, we're going to have a good time. Yes, it looks like fun. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Hey, Amen. You feel like you came in today and you're keeping your head above water, right? And all those jokes and stuff. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is we want children your children, to hear God's Word in an environment that, yes, is fun, an environment that's encouraging, an environment where they know God loves them and that people show that to them, how they teach them and treat them and talk to them and spend time with them and walk to crafts and work in their rooms. And we want them to know about God's love because this is why we're here. And this is why, friends, this will always be, as long as I'm here, and I'm confident the next pastors, because the leaders of our church, 
this will always be the center of what. If, listen, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? This is what God has called us to, to break open the bread of life. And this morning, I break this open for you. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. That's a bold statement. There's a lot of bold statements in Scripture about God's love, about God's judgment on sin, about salvation, about the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, about the responsibility to live lives pleasing to God, the responsibility to understand God's Word, and the teaching of God's grace. These are bold statements. When the Apostle Paul does say, I am the chief of sinners. I am the first in line, but that's why God called me. That's a bold statement. He meant it. He meant it. No one knew it more than Him. Because God loves us. Remember Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And because of that, we can count on His faithfulness. Look back. Look back in the Bible. Look back into your history. Look at your family. Look at our church family. Has God ever let us down? No. Look into the Scriptures. We have the truth of God's message for us today. And we will proclaim it in compassion, in humbleness, and in boldness because it is God's Word. Grace is the key. God's marvelous, wonderful grace. They are going to be asked to regress. These people are going to be asked to go back. They are going to be tempted in the face of opposition to go back to what was comfortable, to what seemed safe, to false teaching. And the Apostle says, don't do it. God will take care of you. The focus and the solution will always be Jesus Christ. As we have read in Hebrews 12, the author and finisher, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and every tomorrow. Back in 1972, it was my second year of college, back at Grace Bible College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we were there in chapel, and our pastor, Lloyd Peterson, who was the founding pastor of this, was my pastor. Those of you, when you go into the gym over there, there's a big picture of him on the wall. The reason it's there is because that was his dream, to have a youth center. That was his dream. And, and we got it done. In 1972, I was back at chapel at Grace Bible College, and we were sitting there in chapel, and Pastor Peterson came to speak. And, man, we were really excited because our pastor was going to be there, and our friends were going to see our pastor, you know, and hear our pastor. And he spoke in chapel. And Teresa and I, we can still remember, 
every so often he'd stop and look up and love the audience a little bit and kind of lost his place. Wow, that's not like our pastor. He doesn't do that. He was sharp. He was sharp. He was a smart man. He was a good man. But I wasn't like him. It was in 1972. About a month later, in November, our board had to talk to him and say, you know what, Lloyd, I never called him Lloyd, you know, but they said, Lloyd, uh, you got to step away from the ministry. You need to get some medical help. Something's not right. He had a brain tumor. And within months, he was gone. And that spring, I came home from Grace Bible College after a Grace Singers tour I went on. No, I was not singing. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but I was on the tour. We'll share that another time. And uh, his wife, Lou, Lou Peterson, invited me over to her house because she had all of his books. And I was a young, one of these young guys, Frosty, going like you and all of our contemporaries. We were training for the ministry. And she said, Jim, I want you to have some of his books. Wow, you know. So I took some of his books. And one of the books that she gave me that um, is this little book that's is falling apart. I don't want to fix it because it's falling apart because of how he used it. It's uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. This is a Christian classic. This is part of our story as Christians. Men like this and women like this. This man who didn't even write anything. He gave these talks to college students in Egypt. British students. And his wife kept track of it. And she put the book together with devotionals. And when I got the book, it had the bookmark for his last day in the office. Because he read this every day in his office. And it still had the bookmark in November. The concentration of spiritual energy. And the verses Galatians save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last, this is written way, way back. The last paragraph, the feebleness of churches is being criticized today and the criticism is justified. This is back then. One reason for this feebleness is there has not been this concentration of spiritual energy. We have not brooded enough on the tragedy of Calvary or on the meaning of redemption. I don't read this every day, but I keep it on my desk because it just reminds me, you know, God took care of him. He was about my age when he died of that brain tumor too. I think he was 63 years old, Carol. I think he was. Um, It's going to be okay. You know what? All things we go through, it's going to be okay. I want to say to you today, some of you, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because God is good. God is good. And it's good that we worship and serve a good God. And we've shared in good music today, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt your prayer there, Ted, but I was just thinking of my friend, Kennedy Simtoe from Tanzania, who would have got up today and said, Hallelujah! (laughs) Let's sing. Let's raise our voices and let's sing and worship God.
sorry to repeat myself not too long ago, but uh, wouldn't you know, you guys, that's our family song. Uh, Teresa and Frosty that's our f- sang at uh, their parents' wedding. My in-laws, we sang it at our wedding. And Gary, at your wedding? I don't know, Trainer, they sing it at your wedding? No, Trainer disappeared. So <laughs> anyway, he's going to shake hands. Um, sang it at my mom's funeral right here. And we sang it. Uh, 33 years ago this last week when Teresa and I were installed here as the pastor of the church. Um, It's a good song. It's a good song. He leads us and he takes care of us. God's going to take care of you. Alan Carroll's going to be okay. God will take care of us. Mary Erskine saw Dave this week. It's going to be okay. It's hard. Dave and Tara and Eileen, going to be okay. God is good. And friends, if you want to be okay with your soul, I invite you today, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and receive forgiveness for sins. And there will be great joy in heaven as we leave this place that another sinner has received forgiveness and eternal life. Heavenly Father, it's good to be here today. At least I'm, I'm glad to be here today. And I'm glad for each person that's come today. They could be anywhere today. It's a beautiful day. There's a lot going on. They're busy, a lot of them, but they've chosen to just take these few moments to come and to worship, fellowship, Share your love and share in the gospel. I pray you bless them. Might they draw that much closer to you this week. Might I draw closer to you. Might your face be in my face all week long. As we work with these children, as we see these kids come this week. As everyone here goes to their neighborhoods, their place of employment, their families, wherever you take them. uh, May your face Always shine upon them and be in front of them. We thank you for the music today, how it's lifted our heart to you. And we thank you that we leave this place with confidence you will take care of us. You will take care of our children. You will take care of our grandchildren, our friends and neighbors. Because we love you. But more important than that, because you have chosen to love us. We leave this place rejoicing in the hope of the gospel and trusting if there be one person today who does not know Christ as sinner, that this day they would humble themselves and say yes to you and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord and receive forgiveness for sins and begin a brand new life eternal in the fold of your hand. And all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.